This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, Tinsley Law and Title, and Gibson Pharmacy. Their sponsorship allows me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by shopping these local businesses and by following each of their Facebook pages. Hello friends, this is Michael from Hannigan Media and I am in the courtroom of County Judge Wade McKinney. How you doing today, Judge? Doing good, Michael. Good morning. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to speed through this because number one, I know you've got things to do today. We just spent 25 minutes talking before we turned on the microphones. Yes. Uh, one day we're going to have to turn on the microphones for that part. <laughs> and, uh, well, we better hope that doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> and so the, uh, so the other part of that is uh, I can see on my handy-dandy recorder that the battery is running low. So let's get this going. Uh, we are going to cover three things today, folks. We're going to talk about some big changes <clears throat> surrounding covid we're going to talk about Meals on Wheels, and we're going to talk about a possible solid waste grant. But first, COVID takes the headline this week. The uh, uh, governor came out last week with a couple of new executive orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I are both shocked and surprised. We are. I mean, for many weeks, we, as your listeners know, have been saying if the governor would just call us, we would tell him how to track this. <laughs> and, uh, and last week he said, uh, in the order, it should have said, we have decided to go <laughs> with the way Michael and Wade have been saying for the last two months. Well, you know, eventually, um, as we've stated so many times, it was so the testing data was so convoluted, yes. the, and the arguments and the politicization say that twice. Uh, (laughs) You know, had all come into it that there was really nothing that you could firmly get your hands on. And that's why you and I had stuck so much with the hospitalizations. And because it was something that would, you could compare from TSA to TSA. Right. And and that way you were always comparing apples to apples. So um, it's really, for us, thankfully, our numbers are so low statewide you know i think um they're at 3200 as of last night all right let's stop here we're talking about hospitalization numbers right okay so we went through that really fast let me give you let me give you the 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 sum up there folks what happened is last week the governor um said we are going to uh reopen a little bit more Mm -hmm. they allowed for places like restaurants to have a little more capacity than they've had and they're basing these on the new metric of hospitalizations. Um, and the judge and I have been talking for weeks and weeks that that is the best metric to cover and follow and see what's going on with COVID. Um, the, the new rule is as long as the percentage of hospitalizations, this means you've got 100 people hospitalized, what percentage of that hundred has is in there for COVID? Right. As long as that number is below fifteen percent, mm-hmm. that area can remain open as far as with these new rules. Right, and that's at, and those situations as with restaurants and stuff, they had been limited at fifty percent. Well, they are allowed to go to seventy five percent if that TSA has a hospitalization rate for COVID under fifteen percent. 
And so just as a reminder, folks, TSA, Trauma Service Area, the the hospitals in Texas are separated into 22 different regions called TSAs. Ours is the Tyler Longview area. It includes 19 counties. 19 counties, yes. And it uh, includes about 980,000 people. And last I looked, it had about 158 for 157, yes. 157 people in the hospital for COVID reasons, and that's right at about 9.7%, something like that. Right. Um, where we're at, basically with our hospitalizations, to keep an idea of comparing today to where we were, we're about where we were about July 10th. Right, and that was right, going up. That was at the start of the spike. So right. what happened is we we were at a certain spot. The Fourth of July came, summer came. Right. We hit our big spike. We went way up. Right. We are now back down the other side of that spike mm-hmm. as far as hospitalizations go. Correct. Oh, now the interesting thing you and I have said this time and time again. Yeah, I keep on seeing the daily numbers go mm-hmm. up for, for COVID. I keep on seeing those numbers go up. I am not seeing more hospitalizations. Hospitalizations continue to come down, right? which is why the governor made the move they made last week. It, it, exactly, because having a metric that allows you to still have situations in place or um, safeguards in place to protect those that are definitely vulnerable. And um, now that we are well into the reopening of school, you know, the new school year opening, we're now um, really two weeks past the um, Labor Day uh, weekend, which is the last hurrah for summer normally. And uh, we're not really seeing just as of yet any uh, increase in cases or hospitalizations. Uh, there was. It's going to fluctuate in and out as we move along. We're just waiting for it to kind of settle in where it is, and of course, um, to what might be coming down the line as far as vaccines, all of sure. those. So. so now, I know some of our listeners will be saying, "Wait a minute, you're saying what I'm hearing you say is, hey, we're in a pretty good spot right now. We're coming down, mm-hmm. and then they go, wait a minute." Malakoff High School closed for three days this mm-hmm. week, and they had to cancel their football game. And every time I turn around, I'm hearing there's football games canceled. I'm going to say this, and I am not saying those schools are doing the wrong thing. Right, I think no. they are absolutely doing mm-hmm. the right thing. Do not hear me say they're doing the wrong thing. Right. But you're talking about those things happening that when one or two people come down positive with covid what we're seeing is the community is not any sicker. In right. fact, the community has less COVID disease yes. than it had in the past, and we have continued to come down in that metric. Right, and what they are exercising is good mediation tactics sure. and to help prevent Making sure additional it spread. spread right. Do those kinds of things. But again, that's to me that's that's this is a this is a preventive measure making mm-hmm. sure it doesn't get out and stuff like that on the other hand we are still seeing dropping numbers for hospitalizations and right. the doctors i have talked to have said i am seeing less sick people from right. covid exactly 
and that's all really good. Okay, so let's get back to the governor's orders. The mm-hmm. governor's orders. I know uh, when this all started, everybody was jumping on board, doing their thing. Everybody was issuing orders. The cities, the counties, everybody. Right. The county put into place an order that basically says whatever the governor issues, whatever executive right. order the governor issues goes into effect in Henderson County. Is that correct? We did. Um, we actually had passed two orders. There was our original order where across the state uh, orders were being put in place so that you could have these mechanisms. And one of the largest mechanism was for reimbursement funding for the expenses. That's one of the major reasons why many declarations are done, sure. not only to um, stand up organizations, but also to create that pathway for emergency funding. Uh, we did that on the first one, and of course it went 30 days. And then after that initial 30 days, there's a renewal. And it was on that second one that we lined up with the state. And incidentally, during that period of time, as we had more discussions, more action, as we learned more, came to understanding that even at that point, since the state was under a complete declaration, because most of your local declarations happen because most of your events are local. They're right. not statewide. Right, you're talking about tornadoes, exactly. hurricanes, flooding, fire, those kinds of things. Exactly. And in this case, since it is statewide, as we were running through the second declaration, we it became known that it was not required to keep that funding mechanism in place. So Henderson County has not been on our declaration now since, uh, wow, uh, I believe it was June, 1st of June. All right, so that means whatever the governor exactly. puts into place is automatically in place in Henderson County. Exactly. There's nothing in between. Exactly, and I go back to just prior before July 4th, when you're in that situation and and reading the orders, it's very important what the punctuation is, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the commas. There was a comma there <laughs> that really made a big difference. Exactly, and we and we spoke about this then, you know, the, the mask, I hear people all the time in media and social media the 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 mainstream media talk about a mask mandate and that's not the way the order reads but uh if wearing masks has been a huge factor i believe in helping slow some sure. of the spread to it sure. but there's a confusion because of that comma of is it a mandate or is it not a mandate right. so uh, but no henderson county has not been under a local declaration for several months All right, so what that means is that as long as we stay under Mm -hmm. 15% as a percentage of our hospitalizations, Mm -hmm. right now we're doing fine. In fact, of the 22 TSAs, all but three are under 15%. One of the reasons the governor decided to make this move, because so much of the state is under that that metric when it comes to – hospitalizations which by the way remember the whole reason we went through all of this was to make sure that we flatten the curve and we don't overwhelm our hospitals exactly this is saying hey look our hospitals are not overwhelmed exactly there are three tsas and you get into the order it speaks to the 15 percent on seven consecutive days right so there are three tsas and um they're in south texas um tsa s t and v which for 
hard. It's kind of hard. That doesn't really ring a bell, but the Victoria area, Laredo area, Brownsville, right. those areas have consistently been above the 15% uh, the, for more than seven days. Uh, all the other TSAs in the last two days, Waco has broken that 15% for two days. So remember, they have to have 15, cons- oh, excuse and me, seven, seven consecutive, consecutive days, days before right. it triggers anything. And for us, and for us, we've been we've been gold for quite a, a while. Quite a while. Yeah, uh, yeah we're ten. Uh, where is it? We're yeah, number ten. Ten point six. Yeah. Right now, and uh, that's been running long since the governor's order went into place. Since we were following. Hospitalization yeah. was real easy to flip the switch and set the new standard right. and start running. From we that. were already there. We were already there. We yeah. were already there. All right. So that's what's going on with COVID in Henderson County. Um, the, yes, cases do continue to go up, and you do see some things happening with the schools as a preventive measure. However, uh, hospitalizations uh, continue to go down. 158, I think, or 157 is what yeah. you said. Uh, that's the lowest number we've had since into sometime in July. Actually, we were a little bit lower a oh. day or two ago. We were oh. down to 151. Oh, okay. But, but it came back up just a hair, which yeah. puts us about July 10th. Okay, yeah. So yeah. In, the, in July, in, mm-hmm. in, in, that, July. in that July area. Uh, so we want to keep on seeing that continue to go down. And for those who are wondering, yes, there's nothing in between. The governor's order is in effect. Uh, the restaurants and those uh, other organizations, other businesses that are allowed to expand mm-hmm. their capacity are allowed to expand their capacity in Anderson County. Right. Uh, one thing that was really important that I felt was is that they're beginning to loosen up some at the senior citizens facilities. Right. You know, being able to here is a primary care individual that can come in and visit because of the yeah, and that's going to be very important. It's also going to be very um, that we've talked about this before. That is the area. Yes. That is the spot that we have to have the most care because mm-hmm. those are the people that are most affected and the most in the most danger from COVID nineteen. Exactly. All right, so let's move on. Um, Meals on Wheels on the agenda this week. I know we're all uh, um, fans of the Meals on Wheels initiative. It's uh, an organization that um, delivers food Mm -hmm. to uh, hot meals to um, housebound seniors, people who need help, things like that. So what's going on with Meals on Wheels? Yeah, this is an annual um, resolution that we that we do in the county. Um, it has changed some over the years. I believe it was about 12, 12 years ago that there was a big change in Meals on Wheels through grant funding and things that put us currently to where the county each year passes a resolution in support of the Meals on Wheels ministry to bring that service to Henderson County and puts money toward the um, project to act as matching money to draw down grant money from the state of Texas. And, and so this is one of those things as part of what government, mm-hmm. the, you know, government, we, we kid about it, government does run on red tape a little bit. You got to have some of these things. So the action taken this week was to approve this resolution to make those grant funds available to the local program. The other part about that is I want to mention the local program actually operates out of 
Out of the, Tyler, right. Uh, well, out of, yes, oh, it look, is the Tyler area. Yes, But yes. the local group operates out of the Henderson County Senior Center, which is a county building. E- exactly. And incidentally, that is part of how that, that building came to light in the 80s. Uh, there was a big push at that time to do communal feeding where you would prepare food on site. And those individuals in the community would come in to eat. But over the years, at times had changed. It shifted to home delivery. And that facility is still used for the organization and the distribution of meals ready to go. And yeah. and that's part of the that was one of the primary purposes. And I believe it was through USDA grant funding that got that building built for this type of service. And, you know, I, I, anybody who's ever done Meals on Wheels will understand the impact this particular yes. um, program, this particular ministry has on the people of Henderson County, all over, obviously. Oh, really? But it has a great impact on uh, Henderson County, and it's always a great thing to see um, continue. Right, and it is run in conjunction with the um, East Texas Council of Governments. And interesting enough, it's not just for the elderly. It's also for those with disabilities. Sure, sure, sure. Um, And a lot of times uh, for some of those people, the Meals on Wheels knock on the door is the only person they talk Mm -hmm. to uh, during the day. Uh, so sometimes it's more than just a meal. Yeah, great program and great, program. great bu- a great bunch of volunteers because yes. that's exactly what they are. They're volunteers uh, trying to bring this service out to um, the residents that actually depend on it. All right, and we're going to finish up with another item that was on your agenda this week that I noticed. Uh, and that was an application for a solid waste grant. Mm-hmm. Um, grants are always good. We love grants. We do. Uh, but tell us about this solid waste grant. What's it for? This grant is actually for uh, law enforcement and our ability to um, track uh gain uh, evidence in criminal cases on illegal dumping is what we use it mainly for and it's run through the fire marshal's office sure this is the third or fourth time that we have uh, filed in on this uh, this has been around for a number of years and has been used for four different purposes and once again these grants are coordinated through these texas council of governments and for this one we have put in for 10 cameras uh, more or less game cameras that we can set at locations that are Habitually, locations where people um, commit illegal dumping. Sure. And it has been very, very um, successful in being able to catch individuals. Uh, I said in court uh, a number of years ago, uh, there was one camera in a tree that an individual backed directly up to with his boat trailer and tied the boat to the tree that the camera was in. And it was steadily taking pictures of him as he tied his boat to the tree and then drove the trailer away out from under the boat, leaving it on the side of the road. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. when we talk about illegal dumping, we're not always talking about someone just like throwing a bag of trash That's out. That's right. That's right. Uh, I know uh, Fire Marshal Shane Renberg does a lot of work in this. I mean, sometimes you don't connect mm-hmm. those things in your mind, fire marshal and the illegal right. dumping, but that falls under his department. Uh, and I know that the, the county has taken a pretty um, 
active role mm-hmm. in trying to prosecute some of these cases. We have, and it, it goes back to a number of years ago once we had two or three measures in statute given to us. There was the public nuisance ordinance, and there's always been the Ill- illegal dumping, but there were some aspects of it that were changed in the law that made it more applicable. Um, Prior to those changes, you had to have someone with a medical certificate being involved in it. And once they removed that, it truly became more of a law enforcement uh, uh, product. So uh, being under the fire marshal's office with the regulatory of our um, fire inspections, public nuisance, uh, firework, they catch a lot of what the state does not do itself and wants us to do locally. Um, they tie in sep- um, septic um, situations with them, sewer, si- sewer systems. Uh, it's very interesting how much falls on them, and when you are aggressively going at so many different items, it's hard to keep all the canaries flying, and having these cameras in place through this will help in so many ways because if you don't have physical evidence of the actual act, it's very hard to prosecute. It's really hard to tie the trash back to a specific individual if you don't have that camera on them saying, look, here's it the is. evidence. Yeah. Now, and this and this kind of dumping, um, it, it happens and it's on back roads mm-hmm. and it's um, and it's not just about litter. I mean, this right. becomes a real problem in a lot of the times I know they'll dump it into ditches and things like right. that. So we end up with a problem with flooding. We end mm-hmm. up with problems with drainage. We end up with problems with uh, drainage in, into the into our water table. Right. There's just so many issues. There is. I mean, one of the things that um, you don't commonly think of, but paint. You know, it's it's an environmental issue as well. And sure. there's so many Absolutely. things that we use day to day that not only is it an eyesore and uh, causes for hurt feelings, it can truly cause some economic damages. Uh, you have individuals that um, might be uh, changing oil on two or three of their vehicles. Things like that. It's something that we have to look out for, and uh, it is very prevalent in the more um, rural areas of the county. Sure. You know, it's easier to not get caught. Sure. If you can find yourself down the backside of one of them mm-hmm. FMs all the way in the back, no right. one's looking. You just Yeah, exactly. I know Precinct unload. 1 Precinct One has really been sure. hammered for a number of years. been several stories about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and the thing is, I don't think it's just Precinct. No, it, I think precinct one is the one that gets hit because it's easiest to find some places like that we're talking about. Exactly. I don't exactly. think everybody doing the illegal dumping is from precinct. No, one. I agree with that. I so agree with I don't that. want to put that on the the residents of precinct. One. No, I think not they're at all. just they're just uh, unlucky to have uh, a lot of those kind of areas where right. you can get hit for a little bit and exactly. dump those, exactly. dump that kind of stuff. The other problem is it brings critters. It does. It does. Hey, do you like that? <laughs> you the, bring critters. You're getting good at that. It does bring 20, critters. 20, 25 years. You know, and <laughs> and, it, and it does develop into a public health issue. Sure. You know, um, the plague was brought, you know, mm, by mice that absolutely. had fleas. Absolutely. Um, and you have all of these issues that um, all interlace, interlace with one another. So, so the reason that people do this... It's to simple save. <laughs> because they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to pay any money. Right. You know, at some of the transfer stations we have, it's two dollars a bag. Two dollars a bag. Mm-hmm. Two dollars a bag for trash. 
Now, I know we have one of those in Precinct 1. All four precincts. All four precincts. They do. Have a dump. They do. And um, no tire, well, they will take tires. Um, Hazardous waste or dead animals? Hazardous waste or dead animals. Like if you have some paint, as I was talking about, pop the lid off, let it dry, they can take it. Right. Um, Okay. So do that (laughs) instead of dumping things on the side of the road, Please, please. And if you do dump something on the side of the road, just know it may not look like somebody's watching, but somebody may be watching. That's right. All right. Hey, Judge, I appreciate your time this week. Give us a chance to look into our county government. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to say real quickly, we got an election coming up. We do. And it'll be here before you know it. I know there was a big move by uh, the uh, elections office this week, talked about the fact that they sent out the mail-in votes. Right. A little over 3,000. 3,000 mail-in votes. Now, we want to say real quickly, before... The politics get crazy, and you scream about no mail-in vote. Right. This this is normal in Henderson County. It, it is. isn't a new thing, and all of these votes were requested. Well, that's right. That has been in the same statutes have been in place for years. These are requested ballots, and Texas, of course, is very specific on who is eligible for them. Uh, there has not been a a... Uh, I'm not going to call it proactive, but there is not taking it upon themselves no. to mail out them as we've seen in the right. news, this and is, like this in Harris is County. The norm this for is the Texas. This they, has happened right. for years. Let's right. not let's not go crazy, right? But right. 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 it is a it is a reminder that we are in the election cycle. Right. That it's coming up. Um, before you know it, early voting will be here. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about that. We've got some new places that we're going to be doing early voting this year, including here in Athens, right, where we're Texan. going to be at the Texans mm-hmm. so that people can social distance a little bit, things like that. Right, um, and the extra week of early and voting. And there's going to be an extra mm-hmm. week of early voting so that people can spread out a little bit. That's right. Um, and all of that is good news. And don't forget on Election Day, since we are now a voting center yes. county, you can vote at any location in the county, whereas before you were specifically signed on Election Day a specific location that you could vote. That's right. You can go to any of the polling exactly. places on Election Day. And during early voting, we will have early voting in Athens at the Texan. There'll be early voting in Chandler, and there'll be early voting in Seven Points. Correct. Now, we'll, we'll talk about where exactly as we get a little closer on those. Right. But there will be early voting in all three of those places. And you can early vote at any of those three exactly. places, wherever you are, just to make it easier for people to cast their ballots. Uh, but that's coming up. Key, I know that people are know that that's coming up Mm -hmm. most definitely the other thing is this week we had a registration day voter registration day was on the 22nd yep um so i'm not sure when that runs out as far as when you can register but like do it now as you hear my voice do it now make sure you're registered because that's going to turn off pretty quick uh, and you want to make sure you're registered. It's going to be a big election. It is. A lot of things going on, obviously. I, I, I heard there was a national election on this ballot. Something, yeah, I heard something big. Something big that. Um, <laughs> that, might, that might attract some people. All kidding aside, we truly believe this would be a, a historic numbers of turnout. Right, this is going to be really, a huge turnout. 
It huge, will. huge turnout. All right. And, so, and don't forget, yeah, there's no straight balloting anymore. No That's going, straight balloting. That, that is going to impact your experience. Yes, like means, never before. What this means is, whether you uh, love red or blue, <laughs> you will not be able to go into the into your polling place and right. click one button at the top and pick all Republicans or all Democrats. That is no longer an option. You will have to go through and pick individuals. Individuals all the way through from every appeals court to Oy. railroad commission to all the way all the way down the ballot. So let's learn a new term. It's called undervote. <laughs> Boy, that reminds me of another term. What was it? Hanging Chad? Hanging Chad. <laughs> that was, that's only in Florida. That's only in Florida. Let's not bring that up. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about our, our voting system. Yeah. yeah, let's see. Let's see if I remember undervote correctly. An undervote is when a particular um, when a particular race does not get voted on. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, let's say one hundred people vote in an election, and there is a race for dog catcher. Right. And in the dog catcher race, only 50 people vote because you don't have to vote every race. That's right. So you go through, they go through, only 50 people vote in the in the dog cat, uh, catcher race. That means 50 people did not vote. There was an undervote right. of 50. 50. Right. I am going to predict right now that we will have historic undervote I numbers. I you are correct. In this election, because people are going to go, and you know it goes in that, I'm pretty sure that um, uh, uh, President Trump and Joe Biden will be near the top. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. And it'll go down from there, and by the time you get to, like, page six or seven, people are going to be done. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to see a lot of uh, undervote. Down ballot. Well, and, and hopefully that uh, with this changes, and the reason we talk about a lot is for individuals to really be educated on on their vote, because um, when you when you're sitting there in the box, you you have the option. No more just the one and done. It's there. Are you so. saying our voters should be prepared and I, do some research before they step into I the ballot I think that box? we, as a philosophy of life, should all be that way, not just in voting either. And on that note, folks, we're going to wrap up this edition of the County Judge Podcast. Uh, Thank you, Judge, for giving us a few minutes Uh, to talk about county government. I enjoy it as always. And we will uh, be back next week to see what's happening in county government. Have a good one.